Please be seated. Please turn with me in your Bibles to Numbers chapter 25, the book of Numbers chapter 25. Numbers chapter 25. We're continuing our series on the essentials of a healthy church, looking at another aspect or another thing that's very important for the health of a New Testament church, even though, yes, we will be looking at an example from the Old Testament, but all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine and for reproof and for instruction in righteousness, so we can learn much from the Old Testament. As we've seen already, we've looked at examples of worship, and we've also seen how we are sinners, and we see as we worship before God, we need faith in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And all this is to bring us as a church to be closer to God, and being closer to God, being zealous for the Lord, zealous for the Lord, and that's going to be our title this morning, Zealous for the Lord, as we look at Numbers chapter 25. And to put it in, in another word, because we might not use the word zealous a lot in modern English, think of it like this enthusiastically, excitedly, in an interested way, pursuing Christ, pursuing the Lord. And that is what it means to be zealous for the Lord, to be jealous. For his glory and to seek to honor him and to be zealous for the Lord. We must be interested in the Lord and learning about him. Boys and girls, uh, the children here, I wonder if I could speak to you for a moment. Do you like school? I hope you do like school. Do you like maths? Some people, oh, there's some people that like maths here. I like that. Do you like English? Do you like different subjects? Oh, some people don't like English. Okay. So are there subjects you don't like? And when there's subjects you don't like, what will happen? You're probably staring out the window. Would you do that? I hope you don't. But if you're not interested, you might be a bit, I'll use the B word, bored. You might be bored. Oh, why am I here? Why am I learning about this? You want to be somewhere else. You're dreaming or daydreaming maybe about playing football. Maybe you're doing that. Your mind wanders because you're not really interested in the subject you're studying. So, boys and girls, do you think it's important that you are interested in school? Yeah, it's very important that you're interested in school. If you're not interested, you won't do very well. You need to be focused on what the teacher is telling you so that you will do the best you can do or else your mind will be wandering and you're going to be thinking about something else. Something that the teacher doesn't want you to be thinking about. Something else, maybe playing later on with your friends, maybe going home and playing computer games. But you're not thinking about what the teacher wants you to think about. Our walk with God is a lot like that. If we stop being interested in what God says to us, what will happen? Our mind, our heart, our affections will wander from God. And it it will happen to us. It can happen to us in our spiritual walk. And is that a good thing? 
If we start wandering from God, it's not a good thing. No, it is not. It's a very bad thing. And what will happen if we wander from God? What will we start to enjoy and love instead? Idols. Other things that are not God, but we treat them like they are God. And if we love idols, is God going to be happy with that? No. He's not going to be happy with that. That will bring the anger and the holy anger of Almighty God. So we must be zealous for God. We must be excited and enthusiastic for God. We must be excited to go to church. We must be excited to go to worship God. It's the most wonderful thing we're going to do all week. We must be excited to meet with Christians and to share of our love of Christ together. That's the most wonderful thing we all share with each other. Christ. We must be zealous for God or, as we're going to see in Numbers 25, idols will come. When the zeal of the Lord fades, idols will come in the place of Almighty God. So let us be zealous for God this morning as we read and listen to God's holy and infallible word. Numbers chapter 25, let us hear God's word. Now Israel remained in Acacia Grove, and the people began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. They invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel was joined to Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. Then the Lord said to Moses, Take all the leaders of the people And hang the offenders before the Lord out in the sun. That the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. So Moses said to the judges of Israel, Every one of you, kill his men who were joined to Baal of Peor. And indeed, one of the children of Israel came and presented to his brethren a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. Now when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, he rose from among the congregation, took a javelin in his hand, and he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman through her body. So the plague was stopped among the children of Israel. And those who died in the plague were 24,000. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, has turned back my wrath from the children of Israel because he was zealous for my zeal among them, so that I did not consume the children of Israel in my zeal. Therefore, say, Behold, I give to him my covenant of peace And it shall be to him and his descendants after him a covenant of an everlasting priesthood because he was zealous for his God and made atonement for the children of Israel. Now the name of the Israelite Israelite who was killed killed with the Midianite woman was Zimri, the son of Salu, a leader of a father's house among the Simeonites. And the name of the Midianite woman who was killed was Cosby, The daughter of Zer, he was head of the people of a father's house in Midian. 
Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Harass the Midianites and attack them, for they harassed you with their schemes, by which they seduced you in the matter of Peor and in the matter of Cosby, the daughter of a leader of Midian, their sister who was killed in the day of the plague because of Peor. And may the Lord bless the reading of his holy and his infallible word. This, no doubt, is a difficult passage in the Bible to read. I think every time I read through it and I go through my devotions, this part of me feels almost a little bit uneasy when you read about what was necessary for Phineas to do in order to turn God's wrath away from the people of God at that time. This is a difficult passage. Not so much difficult with the mind, but difficult maybe to the way we think about these things in modern society. We may struggle with what Phineas had to do. Now Phineas was not just any person. He was a person with authority from God to do what he did. This chapter is really about zeal. A zeal for Almighty God. An enthusiasm. An an interest in pursuing God. And what happens when it falls away. What happens when it is restored? And even more so, what does it look like when it is restored? We live in a day, and I think many of us know this, when there's little zeal for God, at least in the Western countries. We may go through parts of Asia, and they're very zealous for the Lord. We may go to parts of China, and they're extremely zealous for the Lord. They have to be, otherwise they're suffering for nothing. I know many in this generation worry about the next, the young people. And we should be worried about the young people, their souls. But we should also think about our own hearts. Our own hearts as we come before the Lord. Are we zealous before Almighty God? Zealous for his honor. Zealous for his glory. Jealous over it even. That God would receive all the honor, all the glory that is due to his name. And that no no zeal would be misdirected towards idols. Number one, we're going to look at this passage of scripture, this chapter, under four headings. And the first heading is this, when zeal is lacking. When zeal is lacking or missing. In verses one and two. Now remember, they're traveling on their journey. They've left behind Egypt and they're traveling toward their Canaan And it says in verses 1 and 2, Now Israel remained in Acacia Grove, and the people began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. They invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel was joined to Baal of Peor. We'll finish reading there. What happens when holy zeal is missing? When an interest and a desire to, to pursue the Lord diminishes. That, that burning ember becomes ever, ever smaller. Well, we have to remember, dear friends, that this was the church of God on earth at that time. This was the people of God. This was the only people of God on earth at that time. They had been delivered from bondage and slavery in Egypt. Egypt. 
they all said that Jehovah, the Lord God Almighty, was their God. All of them said that. They left their former home to travel to their true future home in Canaan. A land filled with milk and honey. A land of blessings ahead. But they were not there yet. There was difficulties and trials along their journey toward Canaan. There were temptations along their journey. As there are temptations for our own journey toward our own heavenly Canaan. We must, as a healthy New Testament church, actively and zealously, enthusiastically seek after God. We must. Otherwise, these temptations become too great for us along our journey toward our heavenly home. Or we won't be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We're not strong enough. None of us are strong enough to face the temptations of this world. None of us are. None of us will ever get to a point in our walk where we say, you know what, I'll never fall into that sin. All of us can fall into whatever sin we're thinking of that we think we'll never fall into. We all have the potential, even as, as people of God, as those who have been born again, we can fall into various sins. The devil is very crafty and he will erect idols. Some of them come from our own hearts, some of them come from other places, but to entice us away from our journey as we travel toward heavenly Canaan. And when the zeal of the Lord is lacking, idols become more attractive. Sin seems far more attractive than it actually is. And we see here in our text that they were tempted with the women of Moab. And we see, don't we? We see many tragic examples in our church today. In the wider Western church, you read of it in, in newspapers and different things. Uh, the growth of various uh, sins and evils in society, such as pornography and other things like that. Greater amount of sexual sin within the church, leading to, unfortunately, the breakdown of marriages. And this causes many great sufferings. For the people of God. Idols come in. When zeal of the Lord is lacking. Idols entice. They seduce even. We look at our text again now. Israel remained in Acacia Grove. They were probably resting for a time. And the people began to commit harlotry. With the women of Moab. Without God, there is no strength. Even King David himself, if we could think of anybody who's an amazing example in the Old Testament, King David, and during one, right after one of his victories, a time of victory even came, and he fell into sin with Bathsheba. It seems so out of character for him, didn't it? But we have to realize we can fall into sin. Without God, there is no strength. This is even something that the Apostle Peter had to learn the hard way. Peter was so adamant, I will never deny you, he said to the Lord. He was so sure, and he wasn't lying, he thought, I will never deny you. But what happened? Jesus said that he would deny him three times. Peter was so sure of himself, and he did deny him three times. Even in our walk with God, even as believers in Jesus Christ, we must, it's like a fire 
and your fireplace, you must continually stoke and encourage the embers or they may burn out. We must be zealous and not trust in our own zeal. In being zealous, you're not saying I'm stronger than anyone else. You're saying I'm weaker than anyone else. I'm more frail than anyone else. And I will surely fall into sin unless I'm looking to Christ alone at all times. In verse 3, so Israel was joined to Baal of Peor. And the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. If we are zealous for the Lord, we know this. We can, this can fade in our memories. This can, uh, this can go away from us. But when we're very zealous for the Lord, what will we do? Just like Joseph, when he was in the midst of temptation, he runs. The only thing to do with sin is to not trust yourself and to run. But the people of God were tempted by sin. And dear friends, are you being tempted today by sin? All of us are enticed by various things in the world. Are you being invited to participate in the idol worship of the world? The world has many idols. It can be money. It can be comfort. It can be other things we see here that may cause public embarrassment today. I remember we were watching during the week. It was a documentary about, I think it was in Scotland from about 20, 30 years ago. And there was a man who was working with his hands. He was a carpenter. And I remember him saying that he would finish his work at 5 p.m. And he, he could work later if he wanted to. But he would stop work at 5 p.m. He wanted to make the worship service in the middle of the week. And he said he always felt better when he stopped working at that time. Now this is not to say that you have to stop working at 5 p.m. But I just loved the attitude of that man. That he said the worship of God comes first. Not finishing this chair I'm working on or this project I'm working on. The worship of God is far more important than anything else I'm doing. And that man, we were watching in that documentary about Scotland, it was about 20, 30 years ago, understood that. He's, he had zeal for the Lord. He found joy in the Lord, so he could not wait to be in the worship service. And if that zeal leaves, what will happen? Our vows, the promises that we make, become weaker and weaker. And we can be seduced by other things that the devil will put before us. If God has given you, dear friends, a wife, love her. If God has given you a husband, love him. Don't be tempted by the seduction of the world. That someone else or something else will be far better. God has given you. God has given you that husband or that wife. God has given you the responsibilities. God has placed you in this town, in this time. God knows better than any of us do. God has given you a life. Maybe use it for the Lord. So that's when zeal is lacking, number one. Number two now, when zeal is tested, when zeal is tested, uh, when tests come and, you know, if we're in school, we might think we're doing well in the exam, we think we're doing very well, and then a test comes along and go, ooh, I don't know that subject as well as I thought I did. But a test God brings into our life to reveal what is in our hearts. Uh, and it can also be as well to push us that we would grow more. 
that your zeal and love for God would grow. In verses 5 and 6 of our text of Numbers chapter 25, so Moses said to the judges of Israel, every one of you kill his men who were joined to Baal of Peor. Notice Moses says to the judges of Israel. It's the judges of Israel are given this authority. Verse 6, and indeed one of the children of Israel came and presented to his brethren a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. This was a very sad occasion. Sin brings in much pain and much suffering for the people of God. Now, does, this sound, does any of this sound easy for the people of God to deal with? Not at all. How close would they have been? These were probably related in some way. It's really hard to carry out church discipline when needed. It could be painful. Now, sometimes we must also say, sometimes in the New Testament church, church discipline can simply be saying, discouraging somebody from sinning. That could be church discipline. It doesn't always have to be things to do with excommunication or anything else like that. And, and much healthy church discipline is that. Brother or sister, I don't think you should be doing that. It could be from the pulpit and you think, Ooh, I don't know if I should be doing that. And you change. That can be church discipline coming from the Lord. But sometimes there can be an offense so bad that if it is not repented of in the New Testament church, that person has to be put out. In the Old Testament church, this discipline was not only excluding from the body, but in the Old Testament it was often as well, including with it, the death sentence. The death sentence. Now, we do not have the death sentence. Let's be very, very clear. We do not have the death sentence for the New Testament church. If the church thinks that, it goes into very dark territory. And it made that mistake often in the past. So we don't have the death sentence. Only the state is allowed to execute anyone. It says in Romans 13, 4, For he is God's minister to you for good. This is talking about the civil magistrate. For if you do evil, be afraid. For he who does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister, avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. And this is talking about those who are in power in government, in the state. But there's such a state here of open idolatry. And it brings under God's wrath. But the person put outside of the fellowship, in a sense, if it happens today in the New Testament church, it is in its own sense a death sentence. What do we mean by that? They're to be treated as if they are under the wrath of God. It's, done, it's to be done for reconciliation. It's to be done to bring them back to the Lord. It's to be done as well, as we'll see in our text, so that the Lord's curses do not come upon the body in question. And they did at this time. It says Paul wrote to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 to 5. It is actually reported that there's sexual immorality among you. And such sexual immorality is not even named among the Gentiles that a man has his father's wife. Uh, Paul is writing about such a serious sin that even it's, this is an embarrassment to the, to the wider community. Verse 2, and you are puffed up and have not rather mourned. 
that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I indeed, as absent in body, but present in spirit, have already judged as though I were present. Him who has done so, this deed. Verse 4. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together, along with my spirit, with the power of our Lord Jesus Christ, deliver such a one to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. And you see what Paul is saying there. Hand such a one over to Satan, so for his own soul he may repent. There's nothing worse than giving false hope. To a person who is living in a life of perpetual sin. That person under discipline is effectively being pointed out as somebody who is under a death sentence. Cut off from the grace of God. This is not easy. This is not an easy topic. Verse 6. And indeed, one of the children of Israel came and presented to his brethren a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of the congregation of the children of Israel were weeping at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And at that moment, zeal is tested. What will the church of God do when such difficult times, and they are difficult, it tests. When we think about Abraham being tested in his life, sacrifice your son, your only begotten son, Isaac. We might think, really? Now, when he was about to do it, God said not to do it. Genesis 22. But God tested and saw what was in Abram's heart. That he loved him above all else. And that's often when these tests come into our lives. That we must obey God in all these things. And then verse, and then number three. So we've looked at when zeal is lacking. When zeal is tested. Number three now when zeal is proven. We finally see a positive example. Phineas is undoubtedly the great example in this chapter. It says in verse 7, Now when Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, saw it, he rose from among the congregation, took a javelin in his hand, and he went after the man of Israel into the tent and thrust both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman through her body. So, and this is the blessing that came out of it, the plague was stopped among the children of Israel. There was covenant breaking involved here, so covenant curses, dating right back to Leviticus 26, were being poured out upon the people. When they walked away from the Lord, there was curses, not blessings, to be expected. And this is what we see here in our text. Verse 9, and those who died in the plague, 24,000. And we're told that this plague is directly linked to the cursing brought about by God upon them. Phineas, in his zeal for God, doesn't do the easy thing. He does what needs to be done. He does it without delay. And he does it for the honor and glory of God. Of God. Now when we read this today in the 21st century, and we might even get a bit uneasy reading this. I don't blame you. But zeal for the Lord will cost us all. It will. Especially in the generation in which we live. And there will come times when what we're asked to do by Scripture, because of the opposition we face in following the Bible, there will be difficulty. 
And we know it. In verses 11 and 12, it says this. Verses 11 and 12 of our text. Phineas, and verse 10, just to give some context, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Phineas, this is the Lord speaking now, Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, has turned back my wrath from the children of Israel. Why? Because he was zealous for my zeal among them so that I did not consume the children of Israel in my zeal. Or that word also could be my jealousy. Verse 12, therefore behold, I give to him my covenant of peace. So this blessing has been poured out upon Phineas and upon his seed. And it continues on for many, many generations. To follow the Lord is not easy. It is not easy. It's filled with many difficult, trying examples. If you go throughout even the history of the, the Reformed Presbyterians or the history of the Covenanters in Scotland, this is where this banner comes from of Christ's crown and covenant, many of them suffered and died for their views of worship. They did. They suffered for their views of even church government. They believed that the Bible taught certain things. And they were not willing in any way to go against that. They believed in the Westminster Confession of Faith. And they were not willing to give up any ounce of it for peace. They suffered and they suffered greatly. But the Lord brought trials into their lives to bring them closer to the Lord. In Romans 8.28 it says, And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. See this? And we know that all things work together for good. Even the hard things. The trying things. And when zeal is proven, guess what? We, we learn new things about ourselves. It's like, I never... You, you, you discover things about yourself. Not that you have strength, but what the Lord can do through you as an instrument. And imagine what the Lord can do through you for the remaining years of your life. If you would follow him. We, none of us can imagine what can even be done. It is so amazing. It's Again, it's what God does. It's not for our own glory. It cannot be. It has to be for the glory of God. And when that happens, when zeal is proven and seen, it strengthens those around. And we see this even in the text as well. Uh, and that's our final point. When zeal is strengthened. When zeal is strengthened. So we've looked at when zeal is lacking when it's tested, when it's proven, and when it is strengthened. This example of zeal for the Lord galvanized and helped all around them. If you get believers in Jesus Christ who love this book and follow it and apply it, it is the most encouraging thing to see. If you see people who routinely ignore it, it is the most discouraging thing for a true believer. It is the most discouraging thing. If you, if you find somebody who loves the Lord and they follow it, and none of us are perfect, of course, but that is a good friend. That is a good friend. And that example of Phineas galvanized and helped the people of God. Verse 13, And it shall be to him and his descendants after him a covenant of an everlasting priesthood, because he was zealous for his God, and made atonement, or this word literally means covering, for the children of Israel. It brought blessing to this one body. 
Now, after the example of zealously, what did they do? Did they just say, okay, that was interesting. Go back to what we were doing before. No, they advanced onwards. Don't just stay where you are. You've had victory over sin. You've had this this blessing that the Lord has given you. He's given you strength in an area you maybe never realized you had before or whatever the case may be. Advance. Go forward. In verses 14 to 18, it says this. Now the name of the, of the Israelite woman who was killed was uh, killed with the Midianite woman. And it gives the names of these two in verses 14 and 15. Then in verse 16, it says this. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, harass the Midianites and attack them for they harassed you with their schemes by which they seduced you in the matter of Peor and in the matter of Cosby, the daughter of a leader of Midian, their sister, who was killed in the day of the plague because of Peor. You've had this victory. And remember, this was an army going forward. They were facing trial. They were facing difficulty. And they were often being used as well as instruments of the wrath of God. This is, we cannot just simply decide, oh, I don't like my neighbor, I'm going to apply that. That would be wicked and evil. But they were told specifically. But how can we apply this to our own lives today? Well, we, in our own lives, have to put things to death, but it's our own sin. It's that which would tempt us away from the Lord and rob us of precious zeal for Christ. In Romans 8, 13, it says this, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And in a, almost in a picture form, you advance. And when you advance, you put sin to death. Sin is put to death. You may look back in 10 years ago, and you might think, Wow, I can't believe I did that. Praise God, I grew in that area. And that's what we need to do. We need to advance. Not just happy where we are in our walk. Happy that the Lord has saved us, of course. But not to rest on past victories. Take inspiration from them. Take encouragement from them. But to keep going. To go forward. To follow good and godly examples. Now they follow the godly example of Phineas. But to follow godly examples from our own history, from our own covenant or history, from, from Presbyterians in times past, to, to men who sacrificed and hazarded life and liberty for the, for, for the cause of Christ, those who are interested in the cause of Christ. So, and then to reject as well as we advance on in our journey toward heavenly Canaan, the false promises of the enemy, and there's lots of them. And how will you know that it's a false promise? It will be contrary to this. You can only know if the enemy is speaking to you, if you're in the word of God every single day, being fed by the word of God, crying out to the Lord because we are weak. The false promises do not bring life and liberty. They bring death and destruction and misery. And this is all... With a view to seeing a healthy and a zealous church advances. It doesn't stay where it is. It must advance. It must go forward. We can be thankful for the past. We can be thankful for the things that the Lord has done in the past. But we must look forward to a Jerusalem that is far greater than anything we see around us. We must look forward to a heavenly kingdom. 
that is far more glorious than any of us can ever imagine. Look forward to a multitude of every tribe and tongue and nation. And when we see advancing, it strengthens our zeal. Because if we don't advance with the zeal of God, we may face, as the people of God, what was described here. Verses 8 and 9 says this in in the second half of verse 8. So the plague was stopped among the children of Israel. Verse 9, and those who died in the plague were 24,000. If the church does not deal with sin, there is covenant-breaking wrath promised by God. It is found in various parts of the scripture. It's found in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3. It's not just in the Old Testament. God speaks about how he will will speak against them with the word of his mouth. So we have to advance. Just like the farmer. If the farmer is praying for good crops, what does he do? Does he stay in his house all day and just says, look, that will take care of itself. No, he plants his seeds. He works hard. He, he works with expectation, believing that God will provide. But he's still out in the field, sowing his seed. He realizes that there's means that God uses to carry out this. So let us labor, trusting God. Trusting God to be zealous, realizing he gives us the strength we need to advance. So that we would bring upon our churches blessing. Not because of us, but because of Christ. Blessings to strengthen our zeal today. Dear friends, this morning, as we leave this topic, what are you zealous for? There's something you're zealous for. Every one of us are zealous for something. Every one of us is enthusiastic for something, for someone It may be your favorite football team. Whatever it is. You are zealous for something. Dear friends. Are you zealous for God. Above all else. It's not that you can't enjoy things in creation. And different things. Of course you can. But either we are zealous for God. Or we are zealous for idols. Will we be in the year 2023. When we hear more and more discouraging news. Shall we say. Be zealous for the Lord. Stand out. Be different. Not in our own strength. We can't do it in our own strength. But that we would be different. Excited to learn about God. Enthusiastic to learn about God. Looking forward to. The coming of the day of the Lord. Because we love him. Because if we turn away from him. And boys and girls. If you turn away from the Lord. There is destruction. It must be said to every generation, whether you're young or old, every one of us will stand before the Lord one day. Come to Christ that he may strengthen your zeal. Come to Christ that he may renew your strength. Come to Christ. Perhaps you've never come to Christ before. Come to him today that he may save your soul and and that he would make you zealous for his glory. Amen.